Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you Eric Chesson. He is the founder of Autism Fitness. Good afternoon, Eric. How are you today? Hey, David. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for asking. I know you have a very busy travel schedule, and I'm so glad you squeeze us into your schedule. Uh, kick us off with... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Happy to do it. Thank you so much. Uh, so kick us off, Eric, with the why. Why did you start Autism Fitness? Uh, I, I Autism Fitness, I started out of... The, it was really a chasm in practice. And that's that's the way that I'll put it. So I started out um, in the personal training world. And the condensed version of the story is I had an opportunity through one of my behavior science uh, graduate level courses to begin working with teenagers on the autism spectrum and deliver fitness programs for them. And I found that there was little to any um, usable reliable, validated, tested information in terms of a best practices approach to bringing strength and fitness programs to this particular population. And that was around 19, 20 years ago. So what I started to do was develop a methodology based on my background in training and exercise science and my education and, and training in applied behavior analysis. And the best way to describe what I did with autism fitness is I, I created a bridge between the fitness world and the autism therapeutic and, and educational um, world. So the, the autism population as a whole, because the, it was filling a void that I thought from a professional standpoint was severely lacking with respect to providing fitness programs. Um, and, and to that point, fitness programs that were, actually effective for this population and um, methodologies in providing uh, positive behavior support, coaching and cueing. So I, I developed a methodology that that would focus on the most important aspects of every single ability uh, of, of the three major ability levels that we look at there. And those are physical, adaptive and cognitive. Uh, and, and I did it because the autism population, as much as any other um, set of or population of, of human beings deserves um, high quality fitness programming. And when I started, it just wasn't there on a large scale. Makes sense. And remind me, or can you recap the physical, adaptive, and cos and cognitive? Yes. Are, th are three what? Yeah. So those are the three. I, I the methodology that I developed that we utilize in autism fitness and that we teach through um, through our certification is the PAC profile, and that stands for physical, adaptive, and and cognitive, as, as you so perfectly reiterated. And the reason those three are the standouts is with respect to fitness and, and movement, we're looking at the physical. So regardless of the exercise that we're, we're utilizing, if we're looking at a squat, if we're looking at an overhead press, if we're looking at a bear walk, to what level of ability can the athlete safely, effectively, and, and from a technical perspective, 
perform this exercise. We need to know what their baseline is. From an adaptive perspective, that gets into motivation and reinforcement. How motivated is this individual to uh, to perform this exercise. And it doesn't mean that they need to be super excited jumping up and down to do it. It means, well, are they going to follow through with the direction? Um, are, are they are are they going to um, be otherwise distracted, get off task? And then we have to have um, contingencies surrounding that. And then the cognitive aspect is not just, and I, I love demystifying this one probably the most, is we're not just looking at high functioning versus low functioning because that doesn't tell us a lot. What I need to know is at what point of coaching and cueing, what, what point of coaching support is this athlete going to be successful with this particular exercise? So do they need, um, do they need hands-on guidance? Uh, can I get away with just demonstrating the exercise for them and, and they can pick it up visually? So those three are going to be my determining factors. It's, it's basically a contingency based, you, you can describe it as a flow chart. So if this, then that, if we're seeing this during a squat pattern, then do we regress it? Do we progress it? Um, if we're seeing this behavior, how are we addressing it? If our athlete is on task and, and they're demonstrating motivation, how do we continue to support that? And then how do we use language? How do we use our, how do we use the environment to set up the situation so it's as conducive as possible to that athlete being successful. All great points. So I guess my biggest question would be, how does the autism fitness differ from a standard personal training fitness program? Like what That's things have you adapted uh, to make it more uh, achievable, embraceable yeah. for the autism spectrum, which is obviously varies. Yeah. But if you can make a generalization as to how maybe you saw some things at work and some things didn't work or how you sure. explained it may be different. Yeah. What are some of those differences for me, if you don't mind? That, that is a phenomenal question and, and it's very insightful too. Um, it, it, comes down, it comes down to two main things. And those things are number one, scalability and number two, empathy. And not empathy from the standpoint, uh, sympathy and empathy are two different things. Empathetic coaching is understanding as best as possible how the individual is experiencing this particular moment or this particular exercise. And I need to know that um, because that's going, that's going to directly influence how I'm going to coach and how I'm going to program um, in general, but, but specific to a particular exercise. I think the, the biggest difference going down the line in physical, adaptive, and cognitive, the, the big difference physically is that we do see a host of um, strength and, and motor deficits among this population. And that's regardless whether we're talking um, different cognitive levels. I, I've had some, um, some highly intelligent, quite verbose athletes who still have trunk stability issues and, and still have um, gait mechanic issues. So one thing doesn't necessarily um, mean, mean the other. It's not a direct correlation. Then from the adaptive perspective, and, and this is probably the biggest one, we don't have the luxury of, of motivation. So for example, most people who hire a personal trainer or go to the gym, there's some type of, um, of natural or secondary reinforcement to that. You know, they go to the gym and it makes them feel better. Or even if they don't necessarily quote unquote, enjoy working out, the secondary reinforcer is, okay, I look better, more muscular, um, you know, lower body fat percentage, better performance in their chosen sport. 
um, that, that sort of thing where you can call it a, a means to an end. That luxury is often lacking for, um, for the majority of our population uh, because there's an aversion to new, new activities, there's an aversion to physical stimuli, uh, and, and also from a cognitive perspective, they don't necessarily understand the, the, why they are doing it. There, there's no inherent value for them initially, which is why we need to find a way to incentivize exercise, which is what we really pride ourselves on as a company, is making this not only accessible, but reinforcing for the long term for, for our athletes. Uh, and then to round it out on the cognitive perspective, we, we also don't necessarily have the, the luxury of being able to use a lot of language uh, or using, um, for, for example, uh, using language that is analogous. For example, if I say to one of my athletes, oh, run as fast as a or jump as high as a or, you know, or, you know, be as strong as a gorilla here. You know, th that's not necessarily going to land because we're dealing a, a lot with literal, very literal thinkers. So we have to be extremely strategic in the way that we coach, in the way that we cue, in the way we use language. So coming back to those three areas of ability, the physical, adaptive, and cognitive, those have to be accounted for and they have to be accounted for in the right way um, because we don't necessarily as coaches and practitioners have these other I, I like to refer to them as luxuries but we don't have these other tools in our to toolkit that are going to be used to the same um, efficacy as we would with general or neurotypical populations makes sense and i, I guess ultimately you know this to watch something like the Special Olympics, which I'm so glad they're, pr they're promoting and helping people realize the obstacles people overcome. Obviously not all of them are autistic. Some have physical handicaps, some have right. other challenges to make the Special Olympics category. Um, but I can only imagine how much demand and how much need there is for what you do all across the country, all across the globe, truly, uh, and helping these athletes that are just gifted in a certain sport truly excel to the next level. but not every coach can jump in and help them with that mm -hmm. because of not understanding those, that pack three, that physical, the adaptive, the cognitive that a child with autism, regardless of the spectrum may require. Have you seen uh, examples of athletes that have really excelled because they got the right coaching and vice versa athletes that could have been amazing, but just never had the right coaching around them. All right. Well, it, it, it's, Perfect, because let me um, <laughs> let me define or, or redefine the way that I'm um, using athlete. Um, in, in our program, we use the term athlete as anybody who is in an autism fitness or, or one of our affiliated programs. So these are not necessarily sports specific uh, individuals. In fact, um, the majority of, of athletes that I've worked with over the last 20 years and, and those of many of our certified pros are individuals who do have significant physical, um, adaptive and cognitive um, um, delays, deficits, challenges as well um, to, to the extent of self-injurious behavior, aggressive behavior, um, you know, some some behaviors that we really need to that that we really need to address from the perspective of, um, you know, therapeutic intervention or having a behavior plan. So um, that and that's 95 percent of of my own private practice is working with those individuals. So rather than sports specific, what we're really doing is developing fitness as a, a life skill. 
the vast, vast, vast majority of individuals who I have worked with are not playing a sport, are not involved in any other physical activity, aside from maybe, you know, hiking or going for a walk with, with their family, but they are really inactive. So what we are doing around fitness is not preparing them, you know, for, for a medal on a podium, but preparing them for life and, and developing the strength, stability, and motor planning that is going to benefit them in activities of daily living. So when I'm working with an athlete and we're working on squatting and pressing and carrying heavy objects, what I want to see, and, and my goal is to have those skills generalize to carrying laundry and walking up and down stairs and not having low back pain when they're 35 or, or 40. So the idea of accessibility and scalability is one that is extremely important because what we don't want to do is just say that a certain segment of the population is deserving of fitness programming or because they are a sport specific athlete, um, they need training and, and the majority of our individuals get left behind. So when I say athlete, um, I, I know that sometimes that may connotate, oh, you're working with the, you know, these sports specific individuals. And the reality is that could not be farther from the truth. Uh, most okay. athletes, if, if it weren't for our program, they wouldn't be doing much of, of anything physically during the day. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure that's the majority of people in general. Oh, totally. A lot more people that are just sort of with autism that don't have enough movement that need to increase their movement versus those that are training for the Olympics, which is a much, much smaller percentage. I'm sure. oh, completely. And, and what we're seeing also with the special needs population is kind of a microcosm of what we see in general population. If you look at the health statistics and, and sedentary lifestyle statistics, um, particularly in, in, uh, our, in the U.S., um, it, it's not exactly the, the, the best picture. So what does that then mean in, in terms of special needs? And it comes down to, you know, values and prioritization. If we value fitness, if we value physical, physical activity, if we value preventative health, then fitness becomes a larger part of that conversation. Um, and, and then the prioritization is, look, you can ask a, a, a group of 100 people if they think fitness and physical activity is important and you'll get, you know, 99 and a half hands raised. How many of them are actually putting that into practice? It, it all comes down to, you know, the, the perceived value Sure. And then the implement, uh, implementation. Now, the one thing I think could be a takeaway from watching the Special Olympics uh, would maybe be some of that, that motivation you mentioned earlier that a lot of these, especially children have, they're just not motivated to do these activities. But maybe if they watch the Special Olympics and see someone that's similar to them or comparable to them or someone's been training, it may motivate someone. I don't know. I mean, obviously everyone's motivated differently, but if they watch someone on TV, that could be really cool to them. If they see someone that's on the podium being honored by their country and so on and so forth and have the flag wrapped around them, that could be cool too. I realize that's not your focus, but it could be something you follow. It could be something that you study. And when someone says, why am I doing this? It's always nice to say, here's an article about someone just like you that's the same age as you is now doing this. So you don't have to go to that level, of course, but it's nice to know that you could be, you can, be, you can excel in your sport. Uh, you can excel in a sport if you dedicate yourself and, and, you know, it really, you put the time and effort in. It's just, just a thought. I don't know if it's even accurate or not based on your expertise, but uh, I thought if nothing else, maybe it could be a motivation. I don't know. It tends to be a lot more intrinsic than that. Um, yeah, mo most of my athletes, and, and if you look at, you know, some of the key hallmarks of, of autism, um, individuals have, have a very difficult time. Um, and, and again, uh, you know, generally speaking, but 
but you know this comes with the territory of the autism spectrum. Um, individuals have a very difficult time um, with more abstract thinking. So seeing somebody on a screen or seeing another athlete do something may not necessarily have, they, they are likely going to have a great deal of difficulty from a, a, a cognitive perspective, making that connection between this is some, something that someone else is doing and this is something that, that I'm doing. In a, in a few cases, sure, but I, that's certainly not the majority. I, I think what's been the greatest asset in our programming for for our athletes is the the consistency and making sure that the level of programming is appropriate for that athlete and and those personal achievements are going to have a lot greater effect than uh relating it to something else so even the feedback they get when they're doing a, a hurdle step or they're doing a medicine ball throw and they're doing it correctly and, and getting that feedback that's going to have a lot more value um, in the moment and and overall than relating it back to someone else doing something similar or or greater. Also, which is another you know to come back to something that that you had said earlier as well. Um, it, it comes back to this idea of scalability and you know and and what are the things that what are the ways in which we do things a little bit differently for this particular population than we would do with the neurotypical population. 100% agree. I was about to say, you know, there's so many kids out there that are playing peewee football, look up to Tom Brady. So many basketball kids in the backyards of schools and neighborhoods are looking up to LeBron James. But in the autism spectrum, they don't have those role models to look up to. Yeah. This is not part of their, their sure. drive or motivation. They don't yeah. look well, the gym even- extra so they can shoot like uh, Stefan uh, Curry, you know, so it's just a different world for them. And that's one of the differences. So it's well, interesting. Even, the that, idea, even this idea of role models too, again, it's an abstract concept and you start running into these things um, where it's like, well, I can't use this. I can't use this. I can't use this. What can I use? And and that, right. that to me has always been the fascination when, when people ask me about my why um, it's, it's the fascination and it's figuring out what is going to work because so many things don't, but there are a few that do and they work really, really well. So we have to hone in on, okay, we, we don't have, you know, six or seven different ways that we can say this, but we have two and the two work really well the majority of the time. It's, and it's incredible. You've dedicated so much of your life, 20, over 20 years yeah. to figure that out. It's like a puzzle that most yeah. don't even try and figure out. They're like, well, they can do this. They can do that. I'm not going to take the time and effort to try and solve this problem. And the fact that you said, no, there's options out there. You have to be patient. You got to try things. Yeah. It's that problem solver side of you that's it's really impressive. And I congratulate you uh, with all the trials and errors. Uh, they always say you fail a lot more times you ever succeed. And I'm sure in developing this business, you fail a lot. Oh, and it's sure. okay to fail. And I want my entrepreneurs to listen to the show to realize failure is part of the process. And if you're not feeling, you're not pushing yourself. You're not driving. You're not driven big enough. So you picked a, a tough, tough field. Uh, and a lot of people wouldn't even try it. So I'm sure there's not a lot of competition in what you're doing. Uh, but you also have that intestinal fortitude, that drive, that persistence to keep working on it until you find a system that works. Yeah. You know, every, every time it's become challenging, um, you know, in any perspective, I, I just, I think to myself, and I think this is, um, you know, somewhat of, of the, uh, the way that I, I have my internal dialogue. So, well, what am I going to do? Stop? Like, exactly. If I, and, and I think, 
you know, that that's the difference in the entrepreneurial mindset also is that what, what I love about running a business and, and, and creating something is if I stop tomorrow, I 100% know what's going to happen. And that is pretty much nothing. Um, but if I keep going and if I make good decisions and if I learn from not good decisions, then it's it's limitless. And that's what I love about it is I can wake up every day and say, all right, I'm not sure what's going to happen based on, you know, what I'm putting into practice or who I'm speaking with or who's going to email me or who's going to, you know, who's going to take the, the autism fitness certification. Um, but you know, yeah, that, that's what I love about it is, is there's that unknown factor and that ultimately it, it's my responsibility to keep pushing it forward. Fantastic. So Eric, uh, share with me a mistake you've made. Again, we're all human. We're all trying to grow our businesses. What's something you've done over the last 20 years that you look back on and say, man, I should have done that, but I'm glad I did because I learned from it. And then number two, as part of that same question is, what did you learn from that mistake that you made? Um, Overscheduling myself. (laughs) Absolutely. That happens to the best of us, right? Yeah, overscheduling myself and and in my relocation. So so my wife and I um, relocated to from New York City or right outside New York City to Charlotte uh, two years ago, right before the two weeks before uh, COVID shut down Manhattan. And one of the things that I uh, am continuously grateful for is the change in lifestyle quality, not only personally but but professionally, because. When I was first starting my business, it was kind of, you know, putting building blocks all over the place and scattering them around and saying, okay, I'm going to do sessions in this facility. I'm going to do sessions in that facility. I'm going to do, you know, 15 seminars around the world a, a year. And it became largely unworkable. And when I look back on it, even now, I don't know. People ask me how I did it. <laughs> like <clears throat> how, how, and I said, that, that was all I knew. Like, I didn't know how to do anything else. I didn't know how to step back and say, okay, maybe I won't, you know, wake up at 530 in the morning after a, a trip, after a weekend trip to Singapore where I've been teaching and wake up 530 in the morning the next day to go in and and work, you know, with, with one-to-one clients. And th- there was a certain thought process that I had about it then, which was just, you know, grind and grind and grind, which is dedicated, but it's unhealthy. And so now I'm far more protective of my time. I, I think now I'm a lot more productive while being less frantic. What a great feeling that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure your whole family appreciates your uh, being more productive, not running as, around as much. And I'm sure it's also oh, yeah. just the kind of person that you are. You're just trying to help as many people as you can. Oh, and yeah. well, I, I'm sure you get one call after another call and one story after another story. And your heart just says, I can help one more. I can help one more. I can do this. I can do that. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it's hard and it's, it's pulling in different directions and something's got to give. So, you know, being more productive and, uh, you know, scheduling yourself not as thin or hiring more people, I'm sure makes a big difference. Yeah. And, and it's also being, it, it's being cognizant of what is, what is going to provide the greatest benefit, not only to my business, but also to the people I'm, I'm serving as well. Right. Like how, how can I, it's the way that I look at it is, you know, when you're on a plane and they give you the safety information and you always put your own uh, air mask on first, 
I, I think that that's an important distinction and, and you know, it kind of an, a, an analogy for the entrepreneur. So if you are running yourself into the ground, which I literally did, I, I, I when I was back in New York at, at the height of my schedule lunacy, I, uh, I, I blacked out and face planted on the floor um, at, at a training, not one of my own trainings, uh, it was actually a CPR training, but, but really taking care of your, uh, of yourself first, and it's going to allow you to be smarter and more, more, um, healthfully strategic about your business. Yeah. I think some people spend money or they want to make all the money they can, but then they are using all that money for their own health care when they finally have time to retire and enjoy all the money they made. So it's I, like, if you can take care of yourself along the way, you don't have to spend so much money in healthcare when it's time to retire and enjoy traveling and, and so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a great message for all the entrepreneurs out there that feel like they work 80 to hundred hours a week. You've got to find a balance because it, otherwise it's going to kill you and all the money you're making, you won't even have time to enjoy. It's so fitting that you say that. I, I literally have a handwritten quote uh, on my desk from uh, Dr. Chris Ryan that he had said on a podcast and he said, what good is money if you can't buy your freedom with it? Exactly. And I keep that on my desk and I say, all right, you know, it, it's a, it, and it's not a declaration of, oh, only make X amount. It's when you start trading off your time or you start, start trading off your health um, for, you know, short-term gain, that's a problem. Exactly. And once you go that direction, it's hard to stop and hard to make a change or pivot. Oh, completely. Because then it becomes like that status quo. When it, when you're habituated to it, you don't realize it. Yeah, I think a lot of the entrepreneurs is just not being willing to delegate and trying to have too much control over every aspect of the business and you know, being able to hire people to do what you do and take some of that workload off and so on and so forth so you can enjoy life and still help grow the business without having to be the business all yeah. the time. We're, we're saying yes to everything also. One of the, one of the best things that we did, and I know there's a little slightly off topic, but so um, we have our autism fitness certification, which is, um, you know, reaches professionals and family members worldwide. And during the pandemic, what we had to do is, is change it a little bit. And ultimately it worked out for the much, much better, but I used to travel all over the world and I would be doing 12 to 15 seminars between the U S and, and Europe and, and Southeast Asia a year. And then that became an impossibility uh, during COVID. So we converted it into a live virtual practical for the hands-on because we still needed a hands-on component. Now people can join us from wherever they are. Uh, just last week, I ran one and we had people in the US, we had people in Canada, we've had people in Australia. So it's become a better experience, number one, for everybody because they don't have to travel. They can do it from home, uh, you know, provided they have a practice partner and some of the equipment. And, um, and it becomes far more accessible in addition to the fact that now um, I, I can be, I, I can provide a better uh, service. I can provide a better experience for them as well. So it's something that was, I won't say forced, but it, but it was a, it, it was a uh, very pressured decision, but ultimately it worked out not only in, in, in the favor of uh, my, my own life and, and my business, but it worked out in, in the favor of our attendees as well. And what it did was it, instead of doing these 15 seminars a year, now it's, okay, you can sign up for one date or another date and, and that's it. So it makes it for a very easy decision for people. Right. 
That's awesome. You've gone global. I mean, that's one thing I think this oh, pandemic yeah. has done is it's forced us to find ways to duplicate ourselves using Zoom and using GoToMeetings and so on and so forth. Yeah. And it saves yeah. us on travel. Now we can spend time with our family instead of in an airport yeah. or in, in the air and, and well, so on I, and so forth. And I, I, it allows I, you to bring your business. It's such an impactful business beyond just Charlotte or beyond just New York City. But now you have, you have a, an unlimited uh, audience, which I think is fantastic. You just got to figure out how to do it. I think that was the, the only holding point for some people like, well, hopefully this pandemic's over in a month, three months, six months, yeah. and you realize it's not going away. It's time to pivot. Entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because they pivot. They find ways to, okay, here's a, a challenge. How can I help my business grow despite the challenge or yeah. because of the challenge? Yeah. While others, may, the ones that can't pivot or can't adjust are the ones that aren't going to make it through 2021 and into 2022. So uh, I'm glad to hear that you pivoted and more people benefit as a result. I do want to wrap up the show with a success story. Uh, I'm sure it's so heart, heart feeling and heart, heartfelt. Uh, I'm sure you have a ton of success stories to share, but pick one success story where maybe the person wasn't all that active before and now they're active. Maybe their weight's better. Maybe they're healthier as a result of uh, the fitness that you've taught them and their lifestyle change as a result of working with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I have many of those. There's, one, the first thing that that came to mind, just because we were talking about um, pivoting and, and this global change. Um, so in one of the last virtual seminars uh, that I did, we we had a uh, physical therapist and as her training partner, she had her um, her 18 year old nephew who, who is on the spectrum. And so everybody else in, in the course from, you know, around the country and around the world is, is watching. And we are working on this young man's squat pattern. And in like a minute and a half, we made a couple of minor adjustments to his foot position and so, and he was getting it. And the beauty was in, in real time, we had all of these dedicated professionals watching, you know, to, to me, there were so many levels of of success and, and pride in this, because number one, we were demonstrating in real time that these concepts and strategies that we offer actually work when people uh, apply them. And, mm -hmm. and to watch um, to, to watch the, this woman um, work with someone who she really cared for and become so excited about his success and, and, and also her being empowered by that and knowing that she had the capability um to to really enhance his life there were so many things going on at once during this situation it was just awesome and it was also coming back to this idea of, of pivoting or or reinventing things it was proof that the way in which we changed was working and I was the most skeptical of anybody uh, about doing it that way. And it was, it, it, it was, um, it was revelatory for, for me. And, and it was also in a way it provided me peace of mind that, that we had done the right thing. Right. That's awesome. And I'm sure when you have a, a process like that happens and you have a breakthrough like that, I mean, everyone just starts crying. I'm just, it's just one of those things where you just can't believe it's happening that, the student feels great. The parents feel great. They know the struggle. They know how, how challenging it is. And that's just got to make you feel great. That's got to be your motivation for their 20 years of doing what you're doing when you yeah. help someone uh, hit, hit those milestones and see the results they've been looking for all these years. 
Yeah. For um, me, you, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I was going to say, for me, it's always, you know, validation. And, and I know it's a very scientific <laughs> term. Um, I, I like continuously proving that what we are doing and the way that we are doing it works. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, validation is a great thing. It's just, it keeps us going because mm-hmm. we have lots of obstacles. We have lots of challenges like we, we talked about earlier. And it's nice to know that, that you can get through this challenge. I'm sure every situation. And maybe you learn something from another student that you can now apply to another student that you haven't, you weren't able to, to break through. And it's just all that experience. It all comes together to make you just a, a world-renowned autism fitness expert. And it's mm-hmm. just so cool to have that expertise and that background and how people call you and refer you and reach out to you. You know, and it's those experts, those expertise that you have, you know, they have the dog whisperer, people that just can work with dogs and no one else can. You know, autism fitness, that's Eric Chesson. He's the guy. If you, your child needs to have more fitness and more, more uh, functionality and more movement, he's the guy to call. You know, and if you don't call him, you're not working with the best. And it's great to have the reputation. You've earned it over the last 20 years. So I definitely want to congratulate you. And I hope our listeners appreciate all that you've done. And I hope I can help you and my listeners can help you. And your phone keeps ringing and you keep helping more and more people. That Thanks. being said, please share with the audience how they can get a hold of you, uh, how you can help them, maybe a website, uh, social media handles that you're on. Uh, if you want to give out an email or a phone number, whatever is good for you to help people find you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty easy, pretty easy to get a hold of, uh, despite my schedule. Our main website is autismfitness.com. And there you can learn about the autism fitness certification. You can contact me um, if you need to. And then on social media, we are most active on Facebook and, and Instagram. And it's at the autism fitness on both uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, actually every Monday night I do Monday night, 8 30 PM Eastern standard time. I do an Instagram live. And then on YouTube, if you look up the autism fitness, um, uh, pretty good following on, on there as well. And that's where I put on some longer form videos talking about our concepts, our strategies, and the three ways that you can work with me are if you happen to be in the Charlotte area and, uh, you, you have an adolescent teen or adult, um, who is in need of a fitness program. I do offer one-to-one sessions on a limited basis. Um, second way is our certification, which is for professionals and, and parents who want to become experts in, in delivering this methodology. And it's not just, it, it's not just for trainers. We have, a, a, an, an amazing core group of behavior therapists, speech pathologists, um, OTs and PTs and, and adapted PE professionals who have gone through the course and are using it with great success. And, uh, and then we also offer consulting. So if a, if an organization wants to build in a fitness program, if a school wants to enhance their adapted PE program, I'm available for consulting worldwide. Fantastic. Eric, you're the man. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing and helping so many people on a daily basis and spreading yourself thin all those years. Yeah. Uh, just all I can say is thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for your thanks. And thank you for being on the show. Uh, I, I've learned so much from you. And uh, I, I told you uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm doing an exciting uh, fashion show uh, October 9th at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Mellorine is producing a show. Uh, kids that go to the web school, uh, mm-hmm. web street school, I should say, are different variations on the autism spectrum. And I love the fact that music is pumping. And those kids of different abilities can walk down the aisle 
wearing designer clothes and bow ties and all kinds of fun stuff and can just feel important and feel special for that 30 seconds up and down the runway. And I'm just honored to be a part of it. And uh, autism is near and dear to my heart. And I'm just so glad to meet another person that can help more students that are out there and, you know, deal in parents that are trying to deal with uh, the, the challenges that come with children with autism and especially as they become adults, those are new challenges. And uh, it's great that you're a resource for those people. Yeah, thank you. And actually, Kelly and I had had connected, and we have uh, very similar uh, viewpoints about the state of the uh, of the autism world, um, which was really it was really cool. I like when when I, I similar ideologies resonate. Of course, now he's a good guy, and you know, his son is now mid twenties, and it's just again, it's a whole another challenge and a whole another uh, experience he didn't have to deal with before. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he's just hanging in there, and he's keeping us you know, to what he's dealing with and how he's, how he's dealing with it and wrote a book. And I just find it all very fascinating and, you know, how people can help each other. And it's, it's a community. And the more we support each other and help each other, the more we can get through it. Mm-hmm. I, I could not agree more. So I won't. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you again for being on the show. Have yourself a wonderful afternoon. And uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Perky Collar Radio Show. Thank you very much. This was fun. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Thanks, Eric. Have a great day, sir. You too. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right, over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the Perky Collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top. Adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website is perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in elephant, R as in Robert, K as in kangaroo, Y as in yo-yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's perkyllc.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as a droopy, saggy dress shirt collar, the pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still properly, it unfolds, it falls down, the shirt that keeps coming untucked, collar stays that keep curling on you, and more and more issues with your belt, cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at perkyllc.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories. Bow ties, you name it, from feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out perkyllc.com for all these great fashion accessories and innovative solutions.